Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tool Belt Podcast. I'm Tom Wilk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and in this edition, I have an interview with Ben Dickinson, the Global Product Manager for Cybersecurity at ABB. In this interview, Ben talks to us about uh, cybersecurity in a post-COVID age, as well as the impact that cybersecurity can have on energy management. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this installment of the Tool Belt Podcast, brought to you by Plant Services. Today, I'm fortunate to be speaking with Ben Dickinson, who is the Global Operations Lead for Cybersecurity at ABB. Uh, welcome, Ben. Good morning. Hi, good morning. You know, um, we're recording this in mid-November, and in the United States, we're experiencing a significant increase in COVID infections. And my first question uh, is about cybersecurity, but also about physical security. We seem to be living through a moment where physical security is pushing cyber from the headlines. Um, if plants are not preparing for a, a worst-case scenario from a bombing attack via drones, uh, as happened about a year ago in Saudi Aramco, um, they're also adjusting to this post-COVID world where health and safety best practices are evolving quickly. So given these pressures, Ben, in your opinion, how are plants balancing their cybersecurity efforts with these new and more physical threats? Mm, that's a good question. So um, I would actually push back on that question slightly. I think there is a perception that cyber is being pushed from the headlines slightly, but what I would say is that from our experience, the number of cyber attacks continues to rise year on year. Um, the impact of those attacks also continues to rise, whether that's a safety impact, uh, business impact, financial impact. And actually, the ones in the headlines uh, are just the ones that are public. So we see lots of incidents that uh, there's no obligation for the owners and operators to disclose the incident. It, it's quite a sensitive incident uh, that you have to be careful who you disclose to and focuses on uh, remediating the issue. Um, so what I would say is that the ones that you see in the media are often just a small percentage of the incidents you actually see in the public eye. Um, we know of many serious incidents that you'll never read in the headlines and, and for good reason, really. So um, what I would do is say um, that cybersecurity is still a priority for many organisations. It's their number one risk uh, and it's something that they're dealing with every day. So, so what we're seeing is uh, still an increased demand for, for cybersecurity support, whether that's continuing with co compliance against regulatory requirements, uh, understanding risk and how um, current climates and changes in environment changes the risk posture to an organisation. So uh, things like challenges to implementing security controls and maintaining them, um, how do we do things differently to ensure that uh, risk either stays the same or we can mitigate risk through new and innovative sort of technology and, and different techniques. Well, and that explains a lot for me because uh, at, at uh, professional events, uh, very occasionally there will be a question from the front to ask people to raise their hand if they're able to for anyone who has been impacted by cybersecurity risks and, and impacts. And at one session I was at, one out of every three people raised their hand. And those would are they wouldn't have otherwise volunteered that information. That's right, and we see the same. So if we talk to customers about their cybersecurity, if they don't think it's going to affect them, then they'll quite happily disclose the fact that they're busy either assessing their cybersecurity, uh, dealing with incidents, large or small, 
are um, are, are working towards compliance and implementing security controls that meet the regulator's requirement. Well, another uh, another issue uh, that's top of mind for our readers is energy management. In your opinion, how are advances in cybersecurity um, enabling improved energy management by plant teams? Energy management is all about understanding your assets. It's not just about how, how much energy is being uh, generated and consumed, but uh, working out why you're using so much energy uh, and how you're consuming it and how you can consume it better. Um, so it's not just monitoring your energy usage. Uh, you're optimizing how you use that energy, how you generate heat, uh, and how you store energy as well on your industrial site. So what this means is that you're connecting uh, more of your assets together to, to collect valuable data. Uh, and this data becomes very valuable to the organization. So owners and operators need to consider the criticality of that data uh, and the benefit to the organization. And should that data be corrupted or no longer available through a cyber attack, then what would the implications be to the organization? What would the impact be? It's not just a, an operability issue, it's an information security issue on that critical data. What, what ABB do is they approach this by making sure that their digital solutions have cyber security embedded into them. So we have a, a minimum cyber security requirements for products, projects and services that align with industry best practice so that uh, we can ensure that any products or projects that we deliver um, has been tested for security, for example. So we, uh, a, an example of one of those requirements would be uh, penetration testing on that on that technology to make sure an attacker couldn't find a, a vulnerability and, and, and make it do something it shouldn't be doing. Well, and, and our readers are primarily in the maintenance reliability side of the organization. We have a healthy uh, grouping of plant managers as well. Um, and these teams are usually... Uh, overburdened with uh, the regular work of the day, uh, PMs, uh, predictive maintenance rounds. Um, from your perspective working with customers, um, how are these facilities teams and these maintenance teams managing uh, any kind of new technologies that come with uh, increased cybersecurity? Are plants increasing headcount and getting one or two cyber experts on board, or are they more contracting with services teams, or is it a little bit of a mix? So it all depends on the resource capability that already exists within our customer base. Um, so this can, can differ quite a lot. Uh, but as a support service organization, we see increased demand for support services around our digital technology. So mm -hmm. we couple the, the technology savings that you get uh, by using our technology uh, with the support services to, to ensure that there isn't an extra burden on actually and maintaining and operating the technology as well. So, um, for example, ABB's energy management solutions can automate the process of reporting compliance against ISO 50001 on energy management, um, which uh, otherwise done manually would be quite a, an onerous process for our engineers. So th what that means is that customers can see the benefits of the new technology and digital technology without necessarily increasing their headcount in order to maintain it. That's really interesting because sometimes I think that when it comes to cyber, uh, these teams are concerned about learning enough to actually help uh, mitigate the company's risk profile. Um, occasionally, even the finance team will come down and talk to either the reliability engineers or the reliability managers and talk about, okay, how can your team through reduced downtime, 
help us improve our risk, profi our, our risk profile. Well, I have one more question for you today, Ben, and it's uh, regarding big data and remote, an remote analytics. It's a bit of a buzzword right now among the maintenance community that a lot of things are going remote uh, due to the pandemic. Um, I do think that our teams were going down that road, and, um, and a lot of Zoom meetings may feel like remote has exploded, but uh, uh, we are seeing a continued and healthy interest in remote uh, monitoring of assets. So given that, um, what are one or two of the things that you would recommend to plant teams who are starting that journey for big data and remote analytics? And then if I might, if, uh, what are one or two things you would recommend to teams who are already sort of well down that path uh, and, and, and would like to know what's coming next? Sure. So I think the first question I would ask is, uh, what does your, your architecture look like on the systems that you plan to digitize? So if you're in, setting out on the journey of digitization, taking advantage of your data, the first thing you need to ask yourself is if you're going to do it securely, is your system set up in a secure way um, to do it in uh, the digitization in a secure way? So establishing what's called a secure reference architecture, and what this allows you to do is aligned with best practice with uh, international standards like 62443 or the NIST framework for cybersecurity of industrial control systems. And this ensures that your system is set up in a way where you can do things like restrict data flow. So when you're getting data flow in and out of your industrial networks, um, that you're not bringing in uh, cybersecurity risk as a result. So you're doing it in a secure way. Also, uh, the reference architecture leads nicely onto a set of foundational security controls that you would put in to reduce risk and, and ultimately uh, reduce the exploitability of your system and the likelihood and impact of a cyber attack. These foundational controls that I would recommend include system updates, considering how to patch your systems, keeping your Windows systems up to date, so the latest malicious software that's developed or discovered on, on your Windows systems can easily exploit your system. Uh, endpoint protection, so that whether that's uh, antivirus software on your machines to detect known uh, malicious software, or what's called application whitelisting, which, which is uh, commonly suited to industrial systems because they don't change much. So um, you create what's called a whitelist of known good software that's running on your systems, and then this whitelisting software will prevent anything else running on the system also uh, that may be malicious. Uh, system backups is the other foundational control to ensure that if a cyber attack has an impact, you can quickly and safely recover your systems. And the last one is around a detection capability. So one of those foundational controls would be to have some sort of uh, tool or capability uh, to monitor events going on in your uh, industrial systems to detect activities that are outside of the normal activity for that system and perhaps detect a malicious attacker on the system before they uh, cause an, uh, an impact. More of a managerial control is around risk and risk assessment. So what I would ask is before you set out on your digital journey is look at risk assessing your systems and saying uh, what does the risk look like on those systems, what's the likelihood and impact of a cyber attack on each of your control systems. And then as you start to design your digital solutions and your approach to implementation, how does that risk posture change and how can you mitigate it and keep it at an acceptable level? All of this doing it uh, aligning with best practice in, in IEC 62443, which is the international standard for cybersecurity of industrial control systems. 
Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out was around um, how you set about a digital journey. So what we often see is that people are asking the question, where should I spend money on digital? Um, what's artificial intelligence or what's machine learning and how can we benefit from it? Or what dashboards would I like to see in energy management, for example, or asset performance management? Um, and, and I think that's kind of um, what you call jumping the gun a little bit. I think what you want to be doing is asking the question, what is the problem that I'd like to solve um, as a result of implementing digital where any other solution couldn't? So if you're already on with that journey, I would be looking back and reviewing and saying, does my digital solution so far answer the question, is it solving the problem that I want to solve as a, as a result of a digital solution? The other thing that we found is that um, in a recent study, uh, we found that actually less than 20% of organisations uh, have more than a third of their employees actually trained in digital and trained in their digital strategy as an organisation. Um, but more than 60% of our customers actually have a digital strategy. So there's actually a mismatch between our customers in, um, heading out on their digital journey but not really taking their employees with them. So if you're already set out on your uh, digital journey, I would look back and say, are my employees uh, aligned with our digital strategy and trained to understand it and, and sell it to uh, their customers and, and the wider organization? That is a fascinating disconnect, and it, it sounds like those organizations are inviting challenges related to digital and cybersecurity by not uh, pulling the entire team along on, on the journey. Uh, that's right, yeah. So uh, we find that it's very beneficial to, as we come up with uh, technical innovations and develop our products uh, with new capability, it's very important to communicate that capability uh, and, and pull our employees along that journey along the way involved all the time. All right. Well, Ben, thank you very much for spending time with us today to give us an overview of what's current with cybersecurity. No problem. 